You are now listening to Viral Culture. Today we're talking with Tim. He's a senior programmer and we're basically just going to be talking about media and how it affects society. And here we go. Let's talk about AI. How long do you think until AI comes out? Well, guess what? It already is. Like what? Siri? Siri, Google, Amazon. Yeah, but those things aren't fake consciousness. Yet. Yeah, artificial intelligence is kind of like that. I mean, you ask it questions, it gives you answers. So its limitation is pretty much what's been coded into it. I know there are pushes, and there have been for a long time, for people wanting to, like, download their conscience into computers. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that movie Ex Machina? No, I haven't. It's basically about this guy that, in my opinion, is the Google headman, and he decides to create AI by using all the information from his search engine and uploads it to this AI and then tests her with another human to see if he can to see if the guy testing it can decipher whether she's conscious. Interesting. <laughs> I think it would be. I mean, if we already know that it's people's ambition to be able to actually do that, it's almost like they're pushing that direction anyway because people like to have virtual games and then now you're going to have virtual reality uh, where people are going to put, like, headsets on and actually stand on a mountain. They do that now. Yeah. But um, that they're probably going to try and take that even further where you're not actually going to have to put on the apparatus but the the brain waves are pushed into you that's creepy that is creepy okay next subject let's talk about iphones the fact that you have to use your fingerprint to, or you could use your fingerprint to open your phone okay i open my phone with my fingerprint how cool is that then they have your fingerprint yeah i mean They always have the argument of, we're not doing anything with that information. It's like, well, you know, if it was me that built it, I would be storing that information. If I could use that information to make a profit of some kind, then I would use it. If I was the owner of a company or, you know, uh, my shareholders wanted me to make money, they could force me into doing that too. So even people that are actually in charge of all that stuff could be forced into actually taking that information against your will. I mean, they've already been quoted in articles all over the place saying that they are monitoring microphones in your phone. They are using a lot of your personal data. I mean, they always make excuses after they tell you they're doing it. So it's like they'll say, we are doing it, but, well, we're not doing it in all cases. Mm -hmm. Well, technically, they are doing it in all cases, recording everything. Or how Google asks you for your location all the time. Or Facebook has facial recognition. You upload a photo. I don't know if Google does. We upload a photo to Facebook and it and it locks onto your face and says, "Is this so and so?" And you're like, "Why? Why?" Let's talk about Facebook. Death by Facebook. I don't really use Facebook that much. I, mean, I deleted I get, mine. Yeah, I get notifications from it. You know, I I don't really get on to read anything off of it, but. A lot of the technology we have to we have to realize 
that usually when we see a new airplane or some new technology that comes from our government, it's usually 30 to 50 years old by the time we see it. So does, would the same thing hold true for online technology? Where by the time that a regular online company could use the information, is that um, function or technology, is that actually 30 to 50 years old? And if that's the case, then what does your imagination come up with? Right. I mean, facial recognition could be ridiculously simple compared to what's actually out there now. We don't know. Scary. Well, the fact that it just comes out naturally in Facebook, which is supposed to be just a fun, cool thing, but it comes out as like a trend. Makes you think. If they're doing it on Facebook, or they're doing it on Google, or they're doing it other sites online, what makes us think that they might not be doing it on security cameras all over the earth, or in your city? Mm -hmm. We already know that they put so-called gunshot detectors in cities, but they've already been proven that they leave the mics open and actually listen to conversations and actually voice print people. They're actually, it came out and admitted they do that. So it's like they disguise things as being a benefit for society or a benefit to you personally. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on behind the scenes and it always comes out after it's already in place and after everybody's agreed, then they feel just they feel just fine getting on and putting out articles saying, yeah, by the way, we're doing this. Um, yeah, and by the way, all your new appliances come with microphones and some have video cameras built into them, unbeknownst to yourself. And the smart grid or smart meters that put on your house actually enables the communication with those appliances and they can actually listen and see you inside of your home. Creepy! Um, but there are articles out there where it actually tells you that um, since 1996 they wrote a bill that said that any appliance uh, built in the United States for sale by um, some type of mandate Sam says that they, that they have to have a mi at least a microphone and also some circuitry and the extra circuitry that they put in there actually allows the smart grids to communicate with that appliance. So later on, what will end up happening is that the, they'll probably release it as like a benefit for you. It's like, you know, you're, you can give voice commands to your appliance or you can, you know, things to make your life yeah. easier, stuff like that. But in actuality, a lot of these things have already had microphones in them, including cable boxes, uh, DVRs, televisions, iPhone, iPhones, Samsung. They already have, they've been admitting for years that they can just listen to you whenever they want, mm -hmm. including your computer, your camera on your computer. Even though the little green light won't come on, mm -hmm. they can access that without that green light coming on anytime they want to. They've actually had um, schools that have given out iPads and and um, computers to their students. And they were caught monitoring the kids when the kids were at home in their rooms. That's creepy. That's very creepy. So, and it's all because they had the, a special piece of software that was installed on those devices. That they probably signed some kind of agreement. The parents signed a permission slip or whatever. Mm -hmm. They probably agreed that the potential was there that they could actually see them all the time. So, I don't know. that. To me, that's a major infringement on privacy. Mm -hmm. And if... 
parents aren't aware of it, they should be. Shout out Snowden. You know, eventually it'll be next to impossible to live in a city and not expect to be looked at and scrutinized all the time. Have you seen Black Mirror? It's all about technology and what could be the future. And this one episode is basically you have eyes that are implanted with, you know, like a Google contact or something is what I compared to. And you can do all of these things like control your computer and your TV just by using your mind. And it's got a little screen. If you search on the Internet and you look for wearable camera or something along those lines there was a an article that actually came out on the internet probably over five years ago where some IT or some school actually had a program that they were putting together where they actually had a video device that they wore around their neck along with some other things that they had that actually would project a keyboard onto any surface and allow them to type on it Plus, it would actually facially recognize someone that you would walk up to and actually project things about that person on the person. Yeah, that's basically what this was, but it was part of your eyeball. It's like Google Glasses, but in your eyeball. Who knows how far, how far away that actually is. I mean, do they have artificial eyes at this point? I feel, do you think people would do that? Probably really trendy people out there that might think it's really cool to have them because I forgot to tell you that they uh, implanted these when they were born, and it recorded your whole life. And then you could rewind it and fast forward it and see it as if you were there. Robin Williams in that there was a movie that Robin Williams did. Was he was a person that did compilations of people's lives and moments from their lives um, by extracting oh, yeah. the information out of their implant that they had in their heads that would record everything they did all the time. That was Final Cut, but the Black Mirror episode I'm talking about, but it was more about the people, them using that technology to go through their whole life. The example was the guy caught his girlfriend cheating by going back in his timeline, and everyone was like haunted by their recording, because, you know, in real life, you can't do that. Some of it's lost, but he could go back and see every detail of everything, and it like blew up his whole life. I compared that to Facebook. So you can't erase it though, right? You can erase it if you choose to. Like say you choose a section of your life, you're like, I don't want to see that again, you delete it. But my point is, Facebook is basically that, but not in such a severe way. Because you post everything on Facebook. Some people post it five times a day. And when you go somewhere, and you go on Facebook, it says, hey, you're at Red Robin. Go away. (laughs) There's no privacy is my point. So what you're saying is that Facebook is like the chip or the piece of equipment that would go in your head because some people are actually volunteering. What that tells me is that Facebook technically, even though it's put off as a mechanism for social interaction, it might also be a test to see how many people actually buy into mm-hmm. it and how many, how much information do people actually put on there about their lives and what they do. Like how far are you going to go? So far, people post everything, every moment, every thing that happens in their daily life doesn't matter what it is. Oh, I went to the steakhouse and got this delicious steak. Look at this steak. Oh, my boyfriend proposed. Oh, look, now we're going to the park. Isn't it cute? And it's like... All day long. Yeah, snapshot your meal and say, these peas were so good. 
Well, <laughs> it sounds stupid, but then how many people get their information from Facebook? I tend to get some of the information there. I did for quite a long time until I stopped going there because I felt like it was wasting my time in some situations. But I would find stuff about my family. I mean, I would see what my kids are doing and things like that. And I would say, well, I didn't know that was happening or whatever else. I mean... Sure, that's fine, but I'd rather hear it from a person's mouth. That's my point. That's why I deleted my Facebook. Hashtag death by Facebook. My point is, when I was posting, I was posting only like probably, I don't know, like once every couple weeks. But then it got to the point where, why am I posting on the internet? Why wouldn't I text my mom or dad a photo or something that happened? Or why wouldn't I just go over there? Why would I post on Facebook everything for everyone that I possibly know? They're causing the family to break up. They're causing mm -hmm. communication and interaction between people to be further and further apart. It's almost like you see it in your mind. You say, right now, you know, we're technically like two feet apart. But maybe in the future we end up at 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, like per proverbial, you know, space in between. And then eventually we're like worlds apart where, you know, you don't really have that interaction at all. And, you know, right now, if you go on the Internet and you see a lot of the posts that people put on blogs and stuff, there's a certain uh, anonymity to what people say on the Internet that they wouldn't normally say in person. I mean, how is that going to change society? How is that going to change people's behavior? And eventually, will that behavior and those things they type in end up being in person? where now people are communicating face-to-face -face and saying the same kind of stupid stuff they say online and it hurt, that hurts people's feelings and they just ha don't have that filter anymore because they're mm -hmm. so used to putting it on social media. Because on the internet, you can say and do whatever you want. You don't have to physically interact with anyone. And I think that will be the demise of the society eventually. Causing pain without the threat of pain. Right, because you can say whatever you want, turn it off, go to bed. All done. You don't have to sit there and see someone be upset or, you know, argue all night. You can just shut it off. Shut it down. That's it. Done. Till tomorrow when you're bored. And then people get news from Facebook. News links are pushed around. Um, probably not so bad, but there has been some reports of censoring where if you are voicing your opinions in the wrong way, People might not like it, and they complain, and some people's posts have been removed. So does that um, push us into a society where we all have to be politically correct 100% of the time? Or, you know, what happens? It's like, who is the judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to who gets pulled down and who stays up? That's why I don't believe in Facebook, because it is a corporation, and they decide what they want to use for their platform. And they make tons and tons of money. If people research it, they would find out that they make probably billions of dollars. $18 billion in a year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the money that they make is actually off the behaviors that they record off of the people that actually use it. Their location, where they go. Um, eventually, in the not-too-far-off future, we might have advertisements that's pushed right to you because of your location, 
because you might be in a specific location. All of a sudden, Applebee's keep popping up on your phone because you're driving by it. Mm -hmm. Drive by Applebee's, buy one, get one 50% off. The first 10 drinks are free. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink at Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gross. Snapchat? Snapchat. My opinion of Snapchat is Snapchat is gross. Basically, Snapchat is you take a picture and it only lasts for 10 seconds and then it disappears forever. Probably doesn't disappear forever. Because if you think like a corporation or you think like a company, chances are a lot of that stuff is probably already being saved and the same, they're probably doing the same thing. It's almost like they're in a battle to see who can make the most money off of personal information that's stored on the internet uh, in order to make it attractive to a corporation that wants to use that information to advertise to their customers. It's marketing and advertising. Maybe made, made easy by Facebook, Google, Amazon especially is creepy. Because when I buy something on Amazon and then I go to Google, guess what pops up? The last thing I looked at on Amazon. I do Google searches on something where I'm just researching something, trying to find out you know, something I want to buy or something. And I go to another page and all of a sudden advertisements pop up for that very item. Okay, let's talk about how everyone is always glued to their phones using these applications that we've been talking about. Yeah, just today I actually went to the mall and as I was walking out, uh, a gentleman was on his phone and I could see him walking from quite a long distance and he never even looked up. He just kept right on walking. So he was on his phone from probably the time he got out of his car and he probably walked all the way into the mall and all the way through the mall, always looking at his phone. At what point are we living in our virtual world? I think it started. Think about it. At what point does looking at your phone become inconvenient and you want a better way to do it? Google eyeballs! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, how long before people, people get used to having inconveniences taken away from them and eventually they'll say, oh, this is, you know, the easy things seem more difficult because we're, things are so easy for us now. Mm -hmm. And eventually they'll say, you know, so-and-so uh, down the street just got a, a pair of mechanical eyes and they are so cool. She can make them any color she wants. Um, she can actually make them play video, whatever else. They make it cool and trendy and now every, all of a sudden every teenager on the planet wants mm -hmm. them. You can drive and text. But my point is nobody's interacting together anymore it's all online and you can create a persona for yourself that's why so many people are depressed oh look at me i'm so cool look at all the cool things i do but in reality you're only showing what you want to show you know you go home and you just sit around and you're like oh get on my facebook and tell them more cool stuff i did today isn't projecting yourself online as something that you think is better than what you actually are, a complete letdown every single time you do it. I mean, you're projecting yourself with pictures that make you look a certain way. You've got people, teenagers and other people out there that put their makeup on when they haven't left the house for three days. And the sole purpose of making themselves up is to take that one picture that's perfect and put it online. I mean, it's almost like it's promoting something you're actually not. Yep, and people live there. It's depressing. It is depressing. But that's my point. People are addicted to that because they want to make themselves feel better. They feel better. They get all their likes and their comments and all that. And then at the end of the day, they're still on Facebook checking the notifications. 
And all they got was a bunch of electronic likes online. They didn't get like a handshake or a pat on the back or or someone actually being in front of them where you can actually see their expressions on their face. Um, that does cause emotion in people. So mm -hmm. you're, you're lacking. It's like it's all one-sided. Your emotions become more inflammatory and more um, fake without you actually knowing it. Well, and you get addicted to it. Lots of people have talked about that, how you get an adrenaline rush by arguing with someone online, or you get adrenaline rush from, oh my god, I got 100 likes on my photo, and then you get addicted to that, and then you keep posting, and you keep trying, all these girls putting up cute photos all day, and it's like, how many likes can I get? In the, but in reality, you have, say you have 100 friends that liked your photo, how many of those people do you see during the day in real life? Probably two. So you're creating this virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, also, a lot on top of that, you also have in the media or in society, I don't know which one would be the, the most to blame, um, promoting this, this whole um, excitement of taking videos and becoming instantly rich because you, you, know, you did something funny on a video and now all of a sudden you, you've got two million hits for the day or something. And you actually have people out there that literally do that as their life, mm -hmm. that they do that, they expect that they're going to become rich and famous when technically probably less than 1% one, 1 of those people actually make it anywhere. So you've got all these people out there just fumbling and bumbling and thinking that they're actually cool when, you know, a lot of, you know, probably 80% of the videos you see online, you're just like shaking your head going, what are these people doing? Mm -hmm. That's why society and media are together in my opinion because Society isn't what it used to be. Without technology, society was a lot different. We were more human. Now, society and media are combined in a way because our interactions are through the media. It's almost like it's, uh, it's killing empathy and, and sympathy for people as well because we get to see much more people, which causes us to have eventually over time, just like with soldiers that go to battle too, too often, that become less and less affected by death and, and things of that nature. So the same thing will probably happen online as well. People become less and less feeling um, because they're just so used to seeing a thousand people say that someone died in their family versus what it would be if they didn't have the internet, which would be one or two people around them. Well, when somebody dies, it's obituary online. It's an article, and you don't even have to know that person to see that obituary. When somebody in your family dies, somebody in that family posts it, and that's it. You don't see that person. You don't see grandma and be like, oh, sorry, grandma. You just post, love you, sorry. Before the internet, most of your relatives would show up. Mm -hmm. After the internet, they post online instead of coming. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying human interaction is getting less and less. And we're done. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back tomorrow, Monday the 27th. We'll be talking with Nancy about dating and how technology has completely infused itself in that as well.